The following podcast contains explicit language on explicit topics. Thanks for listening to Afterthought, an anonymous podcast for sexually active and dormant women. I'm your host, Epiphany Evans, and with me today, I have Treasure. Hey, Treasure. Hey, hey, what's up? (laughs) Whenever I get to pick the name, I love going with, like, what is possibly a stripper name, so that's just the way. Well, now, if I ever go into the business, I'll... Yes. I already have a name. Already got it. Excellent. (laughs) You already did the work. To begin, where does your sexual journey begin? Um, I would say maybe when I was like five. I think I saw something on TV. Probably like, it was probably some movie. Um, back in the day, my dad knew how to steal cable. (laughs) You know, back in the day, it was just, it was just like a cable box. You, you plug it in, and somehow you just magically have cable. I don't know how any of that shit works. I remember there were a bunch of channels that we weren't supposed to be watching, and of course I watched them. Um, and there was a scene where this guy was having sex with with this woman in a dressing room, and I don't know, I, you know, of course I'm like five years old, so I was like, I don't know what this is, but I feel something, um, and I'm kind of confused by it because I'm five years old. But, um, yeah, I think that was the first time when I, like, tried to masturbate, but didn't know how. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just, like, emulating what I saw on on TV, you know? Um, But, of course, I didn't feel anything because, like, I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) I would say that, you know, that was, like, the first time that I tried, like, exploring something. And uh, maybe also the first time that I felt attracted to a woman as well. Um, or a girl, because I was at five years old, we ha- I was in kindergarten and we had these people called study buddies and they were just like older kids, you know, coming in to like help us with our homework or whatever. And there was this girl, she was in like third grade or something like that. Um, and I think a lot of queer women have, or queer people in general have this same experience of like, oh, this person is so cool. I want to be just like them. Um, or... I want to be with them. It's like a weird conflicting thought of like, I can't figure out which one it is, but I am just so like interested in this person for some reason. Um, and I remember feeling that with my study buddy when I was in kindergarten, (laughs) but I also had a crush on this boy in kindergarten. Yeah. It's really funny to think back on these things because it's like, I knew all, all along, but I didn't actually come out until I was in college and we can go into that later. But yeah, I would say that maybe five years old was like the earliest for me. So those channels that you weren't allowed to watch, were you explicitly told not to? And were you told why you weren't allowed to watch them? Yeah, I think um, it's funny because also growing up in an Asian household, we don't really talk about like sex or sexuality or any of that kind of stuff. It was kind of just a thing that I knew I wasn't supposed to do, and I'm pretty sure my dad was like, hey, don't go to these channels. I don't, I feel like as a child, you kind of still, you you get it. You you get why sex is so, uh, what's the word for it? Taboo. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And I think I also stumbled upon a book that my parents had that had... It was, like, half educational, half just, like, plain raunchy, gross, weird stuff. But it was in Chinese, too. So I didn't... I I mean, I can't read Chinese, so I was, like... I didn't know what it was, but I would, like, flip through it sometimes and see all these photos. And it's, like, I don't know why I liked it. (laughs) But, you know, you're a kid. You're just, like, what is this? I'm very curious. And then you see, like, images on television and in media of, like, this is a thing that people like and they enjoy it, you know? Um, and I think that somehow translates for me, even as someone who didn't understand what sex was, you know? But yeah, there, it was like definitely like a thing of like, don't go to these channels. This is bad. These are, not, you know, this is not good. Like, so I, I f- definitely remember like feeling guilty as a kid, like for like wanting to like see more of it or like sneaking around and like looking at these like books and these like watching the, these shows and like these movies and stuff like that. So you knew there were bad channels that you mm-hmm. liked watching. Mm-hmm. Were you then, by the time you reached about fifth grade and they began to talk about sex mm-hmm. uh, education mm-hmm. in school, were your parents allowing you to be a part of those conversations mm-hmm. or no? Uh, I think so. I think for them, it was kind of just like, you know, they, they sent home a piece of paper that's like, we're going to teach your kids about sex. Um, and for them, I, I think they never... They were just like, oh, this is a thing that everyone's doing. Okay, we'll sign the piece of paper and just let it be. But at home, we never talked about it, you know? Um, that was never con- that was never a conversation that we had. Um, I guess uh, I don't want to say that it hindered my experience either, but, yeah, like, I, I never really dated growing up, so maybe they never felt the need to, like, have that conversation with me. When you first began menstruating... Mm-hmm. Often there's a conversation around sex there mm-hmm. because, you know, parents want you to know, like, hey, you mm-hmm. can really get pregnant now. Mm-hmm. That conversation was like, had when you first menstruated, did you discuss that with your family, your mother? Um, so I grew up in my, uh, in my grandparents' house. Uh, and so it was never, yeah, sex never really became a conversation still. It was just like, a, um, okay, I learned about periods for the first time in school um, during sex ed. And then I guess they just assumed that I knew because I was learning this at school. When it, when my period fi- finally came around for the first time, like I would tell my grandma and she'd be like, oh, okay, I have pads for you. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> that was basically it. Like, it was like an assumption of like, you know what this is. You know how to use this. Um, and did you have any idea? I mean, I did from school, you know, oh, okay. um, because I guess I was lucky and I, I imagine not everyone had the same um, experience in school with sex ed because I've heard a, a lot of friends being like, oh, yeah, we never had that. We were never taught that in school. I was like, that'd be crazy because I would know nothing considering like the type of relationship that I had with my family where we didn't talk about it at all. You know, I'd be so confused and so scared. Um, and I mean... That's just kind of, like, the baseline for women anyway, because they don't teach us shit. Like, it's just like, oh, you bleed, the end. <laughs> and then, guys, it's like, oh, you can explore masturbation, you can do all these things. Like, this is how you put on condom. Yeah, it was never a conversation in our household. It was just like, oh, you have your period, here are some pads. <laughs> <laughs> Off you go. Go Damn. Damn. <laughs> Um, yeah, there was never a conversation about safe sex or anything like that. Um, I think my aunt tried to talk to me about it once in high school and she was like the cool aunt, you know, 
I think everyone knew that I wasn't dating anyone. And also, I think it probably had to do with me not understanding or not knowing that I was queer or, like, being afraid of it. It's funny because there are many, I guess, I'd say, like, not really milestones, but, like, moments in my queer journey where I'm like, oh, this was terrifying. Oh, like, a few years later, it's, like, it's kind of, like, progressed, but, like, in ways where I'm like, I, I, I feel like this probably is like a common thing within a lot of queer people of like, why is this, why does it keep coming back and I can't get rid of it, you know? When were you very aware that by definition you were queer? When were you claiming that? I didn't have a word for it or understand it, but in like, when I was like five, that experience, and then probably another second sexual awakening was seeing Fiona Apple's criminal music video. I watched a lot of MTV growing up. Um, that's all I did, like, coming home from school, hanging out with my cousin and my brother in my grandma's basement. we just watch MTV all day, every day. And then we would reenact music videos and record them, and it was just, like, our life. But Fiona Apple's, mus- like, criminal music video, have you ever seen it? I haven't. It's a very, like, sexy video, but she's kind of, like, it's kind of, like, a dirty kind of sexy, where it's, like, she's kind of, like, rolling around on the floor half-naked in, like, this crack den kind of situation. (laughs) Yeah. It's, like, very dark. There's a bunch of, like, passed-out people everywhere around her, and then she's just kind of, like, sexy and, like, singing at the camera. There's a part where she's, like, in the bathtub, like, you know, I'm just, like, I remember being aroused by that and being confused by it. And then that was maybe, like, a second moment where I was like, okay, this is weird, but let's move on. I remember having dreams in, like, middle school about, like, certain friends or classmates, and I'd be like, oh, God, what's wrong with me? Then I started watching Kristen Stewart movies, and I was like, oh, my God, who's this person? Why am I obsessed with them? It's funny to, like, think about, like, your first sexual awakening, your second sexual awakening. They're not big moments, but they're moments that are... The kind of stick in your mind of like, this is when I knew, you know, or I knew more, you know, it just like stacked on and you're just, yeah. When were you very aware that by definition you were queer? When were you claiming that? Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. All right. Well, I mean, I can't answer that too, because I guess when I finally accepted it for myself is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that would be a different uh, answer, because throughout all those moments, I was still confused. I was still fighting it. I was still not about it, you know? Um, And it wasn't until maybe after college, honestly. Um, I was pretty... I would say, like, the latter half of my senior year of college, I was pretty bummed out, and I was not doing so well, you know? I was like... I think coming finally coming to terms with who I probably was and like I was so lucky I'm so so lucky to have had YouTube growing up you know that's true um because that was a point when like you know Hannah Hart or and all these other like queer YouTubers would be like coming out online and it's like just to not feel like you're the only person who's like broken or like something's wrong with you it's like yeah, I would I would literally just sit in my room and watch, like, YouTubers coming out videos and, like, just be like, okay, yeah, like, this isn't, I would still be like, this isn't me, but, like, maybe 
I haven't fully accepted it as me, but, like, it gave me comfort in knowing that other people were going through things like that, you know? Actually, the reason why I moved to L.A. was kind of, I was kind of running away, you know? I think that, that summer after, the year after college when I was still at home was when I really just, like, I binge-watched the L word, and I was like, yep, this is me. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, yeah, this is me, I'm in trouble. But yeah, I definitely, like, found uh, the whole series on some other website and, like, binged and watched all of them. Then that's also when I found uh, Autostraddle, which is this blog site. It's kind of like After Ellen, where it's like a, it's a queer blog site for women. So, yeah, I started reading a lot of that. It was like, okay, this is, I know this is me now. And then watching the L word, it takes place in LA. So I was seeing all these things, these images where I'm like, that's LA. I need to be there. Like, um, and I knew that I wanted a career in entertainment as well. So I was like, this is perfect. Like, this is kind of my way out, you know? Even though it was never a conversation with my family, I knew how they feel, how they felt about all that. And you know, sometimes my parents would have comments and say, like, my dad would, like, see someone on television and be like, oh, that person's a fag or something like that, and I would just be so hurt, and I'd be like, yeah, I can't be here, you know? I'm just, like, depressed. Like, I can't be here, you know? So, I moved to LA, and I expect to have this, like, amazing, like, queer experience, Um, which I, I guess I did. It's like, you're West Hollywood, like, you know? When I first moved out here, I went out to West Hollywood a lot because I was like, yeah, I want to be in it and I need to be around my people, you know? Um, and now nowadays, it's less of like, a, I need to prove to myself and to everyone else that I'm queer or whatever. It's just like, yeah, this is me. It used to be such a huge part of my identity and it still is, but, you know, it doesn't have, it's not like the first thing I think about when I think about myself anymore, you know? Whereas at that moment in time, it was. Okay. And you think that shift came from just the, your growing acceptance? Yeah, definitely. And yeah, the need to, like, not needing to tell everyone that, hey, I'm queer. Like, right. You know, but I think that moment is important because it's like an accepting an acceptance moment of, like, being like, this is me, this is me, so, like, I want to let you know so then I can gauge how you feel about me, like, right away. And now it's kind of like a... Right. I'm much more than just that, you know? Right. I think everyone needs that moment of, like, I finally accept it for myself, I'm proud of it, so I want to let everyone know right now. Like, and then, yeah, because it's like, there's a stereotypical gaby kind of stage... Um, where you start wearing a lot of, uh, you buy all men's clothes, which I mean, I usually do anyway. You buy a bunch of like formal attire, like men's attire, like you wear ties, you wear a lot of rainbows, um, you cut your hair short, um, which I mean, some people don't, don't go through that, but I definitely went through that stage where I cut my hair short. I I did all that. And then it's like, you, you really figure out what your sense of style and who you are through that process. And queer is such an umbrella term, um, but for me, I like to use that term because it's it's hard for me to define who I'm sexually attracted to, and you know, um, so it's like yeah, I I, I I still date men, I I, I date women, I 
you know, it's like hard to define who I'm attracted to. I'm attracted to trans people or non-binary people as well. So it's like, yeah, it's very like, I, I'm probably getting ahead of myself going into like dating, being a person who's queer and who's more identifies as more masculine of center. So uh, as a woman who is masculine of center, but dates men and women and non-binary people, it gets really confusing. <laughs> Um, like when I try when I try to date men, it's like I feel like I have to play a more like uh, subordinate role or a submissive role. Um, and for women, when I'm trying to date women, I feel like I have to play a more dominant role. But I know myself that I'm just like I'm more of like a submissive person and a passive person in general. I think that that whole dating journey has been pretty funny for me. Like because it, I, I just get confused <laughs> with myself in these moments where it's just like, should I be the one who asks first? Should I date? But this all goes back to like your typical heteronormative gender roles, which like I, it kind of upsets me that I still think in that way. And it's hard for me to kind of like get rid of that in my brain. But I, I, th- I mean, I'm trying and I think that I'm making progress and I think everyone's making progress in that way too. Like, you know, you don't hear nowadays it's like less like, Oh, the guy has to, ask first, the guy has to pay, the guy, you know, I think everyone's kind of agreeing that it's all equal, and we should all treat it that way. Although I, sometimes I talk to some, like, friends, and they're still like, yeah, I like to be treated. (laughs) Yeah. I like a treat. Yeah. You were talking about your parents, so do they now know that you're queer? Uh, yeah, so one of these, I I guess I took a trip home, and then, um, so again, I grew up in my grand with my grandparents, um, but, I mean, my parents are still together, they're still alive, um, but it was more like a, it it was like a complicated, like, family situation, but basically I went home and I was like, I I need to tell my grandma and I need to tell my dad, um, and I'm gonna do this during this trip, and so during that trip, it was like the two days before I was heading back to LA, I'm like, I just gotta fucking do it, like, I can't leave here without doing it, and so I told my grandma, but of course, like, she doesn't speak English. I speak maybe, like, third grade Chinese. Uh, You know, enough to, you know, because I grew up in her house, enough to, like, communicate, but I'm not articulate when I'm speaking Chinese or English, really. (laughs) But, um, I was trying to tell her, and it was so hard, because I was like, I couldn't find the right words, but then it was like, you know, the situation's hard, and then the language thing was hard. So I did end up telling her, and then all my friends who are queer, they're like, just say that you're you're a lesbian. Like, just tell her that you're gay. Don't tell her about the whole, like, bisexual, whatever, in-between kind of thing. Like, they'll be confused, and then, of course, I'm stubborn. I'm like, no, if I'm gonna do it, I'm just gonna fully come out. Um, so I told her, you know, that I was into women, blah, blah, blah. And then... I, yeah, of course I ended it with, but I'm also into this and this and this. And then she, you know, she came back with like questions of like, you said that you knew this and this, but you're also like saying that you also like men. So you, I don't think you know what you like. I think you're confused, which I think is a common um, response that a lot of family members have when queer people come out to, uh, to them of like, uh, you don't know what you want. You're just confused, you know? And so it was... Yeah, that didn't go over super well, Um, but it was like, 
that that was maybe the second to last time I saw her that trip, and then the last time it was kind of like a, we didn't really talk about it, it was like a, okay, goodbye, I'm going back to LA. I didn't end up telling my dad, because after that experience, I was like, I can't do that again. That was exhausting. I feel so, ah, uh, you know, wow. I can't do it again. So I left LA without telling my dad, and then, like... Maybe months later, I get a text from my brother being like, yo, you need to call dad. And my brother already knew because when I first moved out here and he came to visit, we were driving back from Disneyland or whatever in my car and my cousins were passed out in the back and I just told my brother and he's like, yeah, I know, (laughs) you know, because siblings, they they always know. But um, yeah, he's like, you need to call dad right now. Um, he, he's like, I think he was like crying in, in his room. And I'm like, I've never seen my dad cry ever. Um, I was like, okay, I'll call him. So I call him that night and, you know, I think he was, he was disappointed, but he was more disappointed in like, why didn't you tell me, you know? And for me, I was like, hey, we've never had this type of relationship. We've never talked about anything like this. Why do you expect that I was comfortable, I would be comfortable telling you this, you know? And then, so I I guess I was kind of angry with his response, too, of, like, why do you feel entitled to this information if you never, like, allowed me to be affectionate or show any sort of affection within our family, you know? But then when I thought about it after, I was like, okay, I get it. I think he's more worried about our relationship and the fact that maybe I don't feel like I can you know, be me around him more so than the fact that I'm queer, you know? Um, and so now he knows, um, with my mom, it's a little different because she's kind of suffered with like mental illness all these years, which is why I kind of grew up in my grandparents' house. Um, so my relationship with her has always been like, let's not tell her anything that she doesn't need to like, really know, doesn't really need to know because it'll just add more stress and anxiety and make, make the situation worse for her. So it's always been like anything that we have to deal with as a family, just kind of leave it off my mom's plate and we'll just, we figure it out, you know? So with my mom, I've never like fully come out to her. She, there was one time where I remember I was at work and she called me and we were just talking, uh, and then she actually asked me, because she was talking about Ellen, because she's seen Ellen's TV show, you know, and she knows Ellen's gay and all that. And then she, yeah, she straight up kind of asked me, and she's like, are you this, you know? I thought for a second, I was like, I want to tell her yes, but I had this conversation with my dad of like, hey, don't tell her. And I was like, yeah, I was, when I talked to my dad, I was like, yeah, I wasn't planning to, like, that's fine with me. And so when she asked me that, I was just thinking about that. And I was like, I want to tell her so bad, but I'm not going to do it. And so I said, no, I'm not. (laughs) So it's every time I go home, I know it's like, duh. Like if you look at me, you're like, (laughs) obviously, um, which is another thing of like, why it's so hard to date men because they think I'm just a lesbian, which I'm like, sometimes I'm I'm like, but I'm an into you, <laughs> yeah. you know, anyway, so with my mom, yeah, I told her no, and every time I go home, she's like, do you have a boyfriend, you need to get married, you have kids, blah, blah, and I'm just like, yeah, 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 <laughs> but it's like, not out of the question, you know, 
Not completely, but I would say not likely, <laughs> you know? That was the long answer to, yes, my dad knows, and my mom probably knows, but technically doesn't, you know? So you're another guest that can speak on someone of any gender. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say. What can you tell me about a past body moment? <laughs> what, okay, can you define, like, body moment, moment first, like, before? We... As it's defined on the show, it's a moment when you were really owning your sexuality. You were okay. taking pride in being sexually active. It's so funny because I, I, I am very, like... I don't want to say insecure, but yeah, I can't, I, I am kind of like, I've definitely had some like self-esteem issues. Um, and I, I mean, I still definitely do, but there are moments where I'm like proud of like, Hey, I did that. Like, you know, and that was scary for me, even as like minimal as it was, you know? Um, so recently there was this person that I was kind of dating, but not really, it's like, I feel like for me, I kind of go on a lot of these like date, not dates where you're just like, what was that? <laughs> it's like, that probably could have been solved if I just like did something about it. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, it was like a friend that I, I wasn't like super close friends with. Um, but we had like a super close mutual friend. And so we went on these kind of like pseudo dates, um, and, uh, Okay, I, I don't want to, like, say anything wrong here either. Okay, so she is black, and she went... She took me to this show one night, and she's like, oh, like, let's go to here. It's it's at this queer club that I've been to before. I'm like, okay, that sounds great. And she, once we got there, she was like, oh, I forgot to tell you, like, it's like... Um, I don't remember the term she used, but she was like, this is like a black party or whatever. And I was like, What? <laughs> And she's like, I, are you, like, cool with that? Is that, like, a... I don't know. Is that, like... Oh, do I know what term she probably Yeah, is? yeah. Uh, no? It was just, like, a, a show at the club, and I was like, yeah, that's fine. Like, I, I'll be fine. She's like, you, you, you're you comfortable? You're okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And so we go, and, like, I guess I, I didn't realize that there's such... or different dynamics with how people interact with each other. And so even in this club, it was like... Yeah, it was a lot of gay men, but there everyone's dancing on everyone. There's a lot of women and queer women and like everyone's just on like dancing on everyone and everyone's such a good dancer and I was just like Oh, I feel like such a loser right now. And usually in a club I'm like I can just like I feel pretty good just like dancing, you know. Um I'm not really that self conscious. But in there I was like, everyone's such a good dancer, I don't I feel like such a, such a loser. Um, so, I've, yeah, you know, my, I, I felt very self-conscious, and I think she could see that on me. And so it, I think it... I, I don't know what she was looking for with me, but, yeah, that, that whole experience kind of, like, freaked me out a little bit because I was just like, I I feel so, like, low, you know, right now. Um, anyway, after that that whole situation we ended up going back to her place and we were talking and the vibe was kind of off at that point because I think she was kind of just like not into it anymore because I was so like <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing but at the end of it I kind of just like as I was leaving I was like fuck it like I'm gonna kiss you and I just I just did it because I was like fuck it and that's that's a thing that I never really have done before where I'm just like who knows? So I went in for the kiss, and 
it seemed fine, and it seemed like she was into it, and then afterwards she kind of, like, laughed, and I was just like, shoot, is she laughing at me, or is that, like, a good laugh? I never really got the answer, and then I left. This was at, like, 3 in the morning. Walked back to my car. It's dark as hell. It's creepy. And then there's a parking ticket. <laughs> it was just one of those, like, indie movie moments where I was just like, Jesus Christ, like... It's like Wednesday Wednesday morning, 3 a.m. We gotta go to work the next morning. Um, even though that didn't end up going that well, I was like, hey, that was my proud moment. Like, I fucking did it, even though I felt like a, like a goof at the end of it. I, you know, I did it. And then a couple days later, like, I texted her. I was like, hey, I don't know, like, what's going on or how you feel about this, but this is how I feel, and I want to hang out with you more, and this is blah, blah, blah. I got rejected, but I was like, now I know, and it feels good to just know sometimes without holding on to it and being like, oh, what is this person thinking? Like, what is what are they doing with me? Like, are they just playing, blah, blah, blah. Um, this leads into just, like, more confusion because then she started texting me a lot when she was, like, drunk, um, asking me things of, like... <laughs> Are you are you a bottom or are you top? Are you more sub- like submissive or dominant or whatever? And I'm like I like we've talked about this. We've had this conversation, um, but she texts me every single time that she was drunk. It was a lot. We would talk normally throughout the days, like texting, and then she would come back and say like, "Hey, you'd be awesome, but you'd be a, such a great catch if you were more." this or more of that or whatever and that really pissed me off so then finally I just called her out on it and that was another proud moment of like yeah I'm not taking the shit like you can't do that you know um and currently this is in a weird <laughs> this situation is in a weird space too because like um I know I'll be in a place where I'll see her uh, often soon and it's like wanting <laughs> Still wanting it, but then also being like, I I don't want to deal with your bullshit, but I'd be okay if we hooked up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's very confusing, but I think this is the like the most like this is one of the moments where I've been more like risky with my actions, I guess. You know, and just been like, fuck it, I don't care, like whatever. Aww. You know. <laughs> Last portion of the show is a little game similar to Trick or Dare. It is first or last. You just decide first or last, and then I'll choose a scenario from my list of scenarios. Okay. So, first or last? First. Can you tell me about the first time you got fingered? The first time I got fingered. (laughs) Um, First time I was fingered, I think... (laughs) Uh, I was in college. I'm pretty sure I was hanging out with... I had this really tight group of friends um, that I would just, like... We would just have, like, movie marathons with. Um, And one of my friends brought his his buddy up from, like... That he's he's known since, like, high school or whatever. Um, Yeah, we all got hella smashed that night. Uh, We went out to your typical, you know, like downtown in your college town whatever yeah yeah i got really smashed um went back to his place or went back to my friend's place um my friends went to sleep and me and his friend that who was visiting we just started hooking up i guess uh (laughs) 
Yeah, that was probably the first time, and I I didn't know what I was doing. I was confused, but also, like, you know, drunk, but not, like, so drunk that I didn't know what, you know. Yeah. It's not like I was taken advantage of. It was like, I wanted it, but I was like, I don't know how to do this, but, you know, with Liquid Courage, you're just like, oh, I can do whatever, I'm, <laughs> I can do anything. Yeah, that was a messy kind of, like, situation, too, because... I'm pretty sure I puked that night, probably after that <laughs> that uh, sexual encounter. And then the next day, uh, my friend, whose place we were staying at, he puked 11 hours straight, literally. And I was just like, yeah, that sums up the entire situation. It was a fucking mess. <laughs> Before we close out the show, do you have any final thoughts? Final thoughts? I think... Honestly, after actually like our conversation before this, we started this podcast, you've inspired me. I think I want to just like, I think I just want to, you know, just like say fuck it and just like enjoy myself a little more, you know? Um, and it's, it's been pretty like dry lately. (laughs) Like I haven't really been going on dates. I haven't been hooking up with anyone. I haven't been doing anything really. Um, and I'm like... Yeah, I'm horny. Like, I need to. Like, I need to do stuff. <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah. I think I think you've inspired me today. And I think I need to go out and just be more willing to explore. And, like, not, not care as much about what, what other people think, you know, about certain situations. And, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I'm honored. <laughs> How exciting. Well, thank you so much, Treasure, for joining me here today in my home. I really, really appreciate it. I kind of feel more like a pirate rather than a stripper. Like <laughs> <laughs> Treasure. That's fair. Okay, that's fair. I get it. <laughs> Thank you again to my guest, and thanks to you, the listener. Connect with Afterthought on iTunes by subscribing and on IG by following Listen to A. Till next time.